0: Reading between the lines, we can discern that the young church at Colossae had a problem. The new Christians had come to Christ out of a variety of backgrounds and beliefs, and not all had completely dismissed previously held religious and philosophical ideas. Traces of Greek philosophy... Eastern mysticism and Jewish legalism still lingered in the church. And without specifically identifying them as such, Paul addressed all three in his letter to the Colossians, the book we are now studying together. And in our text for today, it's rather obvious that Paul had Gnosticism, or an early form of it, in view. Now, the word For knowledge in Greek is gnosis, from which we get the word Gnostic. And Gnostics were convinced that they had knowledge of spiritual things that went far beyond that of the average person. One of their fundamental beliefs was that anything physical was evil. And therefore, they concluded that Jesus really could not be God in the flesh. They recognized the value of his spiritual teaching, but concluded that he had to be a a, a phantom, a spiritual being that really wasn't physical, or an emanation, a, a lesser spiritual being that took on flesh and became a man. Either way, he could not be God, the Lord of all. Well, with that in view, Paul writes in Colossians 1:15 through 23, what many regard as a hymn extolling the incomparable lordship of Christ. And he presents him first as Lord of creation. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Last week, we looked at Paul's prayer. This week... His hymn, And it's hard to tell where his prayer ends and his hymn begins, but I, I think the uh, NIV has it right when it starts a new paragraph with verse 15. In fact, and I do hate to admit it, the and that begins verse 15 in the New American Standard really isn't in the text. After referring to Jesus... As our Lord Jesus Christ and God's beloved Son, Paul makes certain the Colossians understand who it is they've accepted as their Lord and Savior. The Gnostics had reduced Jesus to something less than God and paul counters that by declaring that jesus is the image of the invisible god he isn't alone in affirming that in john 14:9 jesus himself said he who has seen me has seen the father and the writer to the Hebrews said Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Here, Paul says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. You know, Jesus isn't like the father as a human son is like his father. Jesus is the exact Representation of the Father, the visible image of the invisible God. When Jesus walked on earth, people saw God in visible form. He is God incarnate, God in the flesh. The same God who created the earth took on flesh and visited the earth. As John put it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace And truth. The word of God. The full expression of God's nature, which we came to know as Jesus when he took on flesh, existed from the very beginning. In fact, he is the one who created all things that came into being. John affirms that. And that's the same thing that Paul is saying here. Even though there has been some confusion about his statement that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. You know, when we speak of firstborn, we think of one who was born first. One who came into being at a point in time prior to the others who came into being But the designation of firstborn had as much to do with position and preeminence over others as it did order of birth. When Paul says Jesus was the firstborn of all creation, he does not mean that Jesus was created before everything else was created. He means that Jesus has preeminence over all creation, that he is over all creation. Why? Quite simply, because he is in fact the Creator. Jesus is the Creator God. We tend to forget that fact, we tend to reduce Jesus. Jesus is the Creator. Before He took on flesh and the name Jesus, He was the Creator God. Paul says, by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, including thrones and dominions, rulers and authorities. All things have been created by Jesus. Jesus is not a part of God's creation. He is, in fact, the Creator God. Now, the text does not say all other things were created by Him. As I might point out, the Jehovah's Witnesses maintain, they even insert the word other into their anonymous translation. But it's not in the Greek. All things were created by him and for him, for his pleasure and his glory. And all things find their fulfillment in relationship with him. He existed before all things and is over all things because he is the creator of all things. And not only is he the creator of all things, he's also the sustainer of all things. Paul says, in him, all things hold together. What is it that holds the universe together? Scientists have all kinds of theories about that. Bottom line is that Jesus holds all things Together, Jesus, the creator and sustainer, the one we call the son of God, created everything and sustains life and existence on a physical level. We can never, never praise him enough for who he is. The one we call the Son of God. Now that phrase in itself does cause some confusion. Because how can Jesus be the eternal God and the Son of God at the same time? Well, a skeptic once made that point to M. R. Dehan, an early radio Bible teacher, by saying, Jesus cannot be the eternal son of God, for a father is always older than the son. If the father is not eternal, then he's not God. If Jesus is his son, then he is not eternal. Well, Han responded by saying, the thing that makes a person a father is having a son. If God is the eternal Father, then he must have an eternal Son. I think that's brilliant. If God has always been Father, Jesus has always been Son. I like that. I like that. It means Jesus Christ is eternal. And... That he is God. We call Jesus the Son of God because he took on flesh by being born. Born of God by the Virgin Mary. God, who is spirit, somehow allowed himself to take on flesh and be separated from the purely spiritual nature of God for a time and For our sake. And we call that visible manifestation of the invisible God Jesus, the Son of God. But again, the Son of God is in no way inferior to or subordinate to God the Father. They are, in fact, one and the same. Jesus Christ is the eternal God. He is Lord of creation and Lord of the church. We continue. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The creation rebelled against the creator. And came under the sentence of death because of it. But the Creator did not want to lose His creation. To be cut off from the object of His love. And that would happen if we had to pay the penalty for our sin. If we paid for our sin, we would be lost forever. Only God Himself could pay the penalty and still live. So the Creator had to become the Redeemer, the one who pays someone else's debt. That is why God came to earth in the form of a man. He came as a man so he could die and pay the penalty for man's sin. But since he is also God, he would not be eternally condemned by death. As the creator, the author of life, Jesus had the power to rise from the dead. And that he did. And in doing so, he not only demonstrated his power over death, he became the firstborn from the dead. He was not to be the only one to rise, but only the first to do so making it possible for others to do so as well. He was the first one to be born from the dead. That's why we call him the firstborn. That means more are going to come because of what he did. Now, he gave a hint of that by raising a few select individuals before his death, but he proved his power to give us all life after death. By rising from the dead himself. By taking the fullness of God contained in human form to the cross, Jesus became our redeemer. Through his blood, he made it possible for all things to be reconciled, brought back into relationship with their creator. And those who have been thus reconciled constitute the church. The church over which Christ is head. And the body through which Christ is to come, is to to have first place in everything. And quite frankly, that is our mission as the church, as the body of Christ, to bring the lordship of Christ over a rebellious creation so yes Jesus is Lord of creation by virtue of the fact that he is the Creator and he is Lord of the church by virtue of the fact that he is the Redeemer and his lordship gets even more personal than that he desires to be Lord of you let's read on And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in the fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which is proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, did you notice how Paul changed the focus here from the creation and the church to you? Let's read that again. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, Paul's given some pretty heavy teaching here about the nature of Jesus. He's answering questions that were circulating in the church about who Jesus really is. Paul makes it very clear Jesus. Is the creator God. And Jesus is the one who redeems us, who brings us back into relationship with God as a body, as His church. That is heavy doctrine. But Paul made sure that doctrine didn't stay up here somewhere. He brought it here, he made it personal. He made sure that doctrine had personal application. You know, it really doesn't matter if Jesus is Lord of creation and Lord of the church if he is not Lord of you. If he's not our Lord, it doesn't matter. We are the ones who were alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. The ones... Who rebelled against their creator. We are the ones who were reconciled through his death. He died for us. We are the ones who are to be presented holy and blameless and beyond reproach. We are the ones who must therefore continue in the faith steadfast and unmovable. All the philosophical contemplating and doctrinal debating make no difference if we don't make Jesus Lord of our life. We are the ones who must surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ. Only then, Will he be Lord of all? And someday he will be. Someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But in order for him to be your redeemer as well as your creator, you must make him your Lord now. You must do so before you are forced to call him Lord. And then pay the penalty for your sins yourself. Before you are eternally separated, banished from the presence of the one you will call Lord. If you've not made the Lord of creation... And the Lord of the church, Lord of you, now is the time to do so. So come and surrender your all to the Lord of all.